It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at cboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lokabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. If you're in or getting into the IO psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking to jumpstart your career and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBOC's IO Career Pathfinder membership at cboc.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast that helps us out. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw with us, a voice and speech coach and a damn good actor too. He's the official voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, hello everyone and welcome to our weekly gathering of IOs, HR recruiters, and all of those who like to help people in the world of business, including one actor, Jeremy. Today, um, we've got a rather interesting topic, as we always do, um, but today we're going to talk about how to rebrand yourself as a better leader to your intact team. So I'm, I'm assuming here we're talking about the team you already have. Yes. So it's it's a team that you already have. And by, by the intact, it's, you know, sometimes when we're working, when you're working in organizations or you have these, you know, extant teams. So this is for your particular intact team in a particular department, a particular group working on particular projects. And I must say, Tom, you know how I always say it's so easy to find the research on whatever topics we're discussing. I'm always amazed at how it takes so little time and everything just falls together. I think it was the last episode. Did not happen with that this time because I had to get a little creative because we're talking about branding. When looking through, I couldn't find much for a leader's brand as it pertains to their employees. So I, I started looking up, how can we make parallels? How can we make parallels to the marketing industry? with branding and company branding and employer branding, et cetera, et cetera. So what I ended up doing was, and I'm gonna put these references right there in the chat for everyone, is I found two articles where we can pull a parallel from one and some other interesting insights from another. The one is called, it's by Mayor, a 2020 article, Strategic Communication by Regulatory Agencies as a Form of Reputation Management. I get it. That's not, we're talking, we're not talking exactly about the reputations of leaders, but I found some interesting parallels because it all boils down to if we're looking to do a rebrand of ourselves as a leader, as a manager, really as anything, it's important to break it down. So we at least have a place to start and then we, we can work on those broken down pieces that are manageable. The other article is by Smallerek and Zenzadora. 2022 article, Impact of Personal Branding on the Development of Professional Careers of Managers. That one's in uh, European Research Studies. And of course, these will be, whether you're watching a video or the podcast, these will be in the description. So you'll have access to these. And to start out, I wanted to share a couple insights I was able to extract from these articles as a launch pad for our discussion today. So a couple of, just in general, to, to get us thinking some talking points, right? What would you want to be your own boss? 
I mean, not do you want to work for yourself? If you were cloned and your boss was a clone of you, would you be happy? Would you like that? So again, we're just, now we're starting to just get into awareness. What would you dislike about having you as your boss, meaning your boss is your boss and you are a subordinate? And then what's your brand now as, as a boss? What do people say? What's your reputation, which is really what people are saying behind your back? What do you want it to be? Where's the gap? And how do you get to where you want to be? So in terms of breaking this down, and there's some what we call secondary citations, but this is all in the in the references here. A personal brand comprises the biography, experience, skills, behaviors, and even appearance, and even the name of a given person. Okay, so we're starting to help define it for our discussion today. And these are definitions. These are insights that are provided in the literature review of these articles. We look at how individuals are perceived when we're looking at our own branding. It's by the their different levels. One is by our environment, and the other is not just by people, but how are we also distinguished from others? So our brand is not just how we're perceived, but our brand is how we're distinguished from others. Here is a definition by Ketter 2014 that we have to work with today. Personal branding is a process of conferring a unique personal identity, developing active relations between a brand and its target market, appreciating its impact on an individual's image and authenticity. So some of the words in that definition will stick out, active relations, authenticity, target market, and appreciation. So now we're starting to get a little bit of something to work with today. And I'll start out, well, I keep starting out, Tom. I've been starting out for what, three and a half minutes? So Tom, I'm going to continue to start out. Schwabel in 2012 was, was looking into organizations and basically found that companies don't have many personal branding tools at their disposal. It's really just corporate policy and sticking to that policy. So if you're a leader looking to rebrand yourself, where do you start? And we look at the other thing too. It used to be that that uh, an employee could mask or hide behind the identity of their corporation because people used to stay in corporations for a very long time, if not their entire lives in a single company. Now it's obviously much different. People switch careers fairly often. And now it's important for leaders to expand those activities and develop a personal brand. But the thing is, is that corporations, for one reason or another, don't provide these types of tools. But it's very important for how they're perceived by their employees. And when we looked at you know, very, some very simple things in terms of what's in it for me, Tom, last week we looked at, what was our topic for last week? Does anyone remember? Oh, getting employees to solve problems and giving them some sense of purpose, right? We looked at the what's in it for me, managers, supervisors, leaders in organizations who actually encouraged innovation and brought people in, brought their employees in to solve everyday problems were actually, they actually perform better on their yearly performance reviews, which in return made those bosses look better. So again, we look at what's in it for me in terms of how can we rebrand? I have more to share, but Tom, over to you. Well, it makes me think, Jeremy, you know, if I'm a leader who's just coming to this awareness now, uh, I've already created a brand without thinking about it. Um, and we all know leaders who are you know, in organizations who may not be the greatest of leaders, but they're creating a brand um, because of the way people will think about them. So 
if I'm one of those leaders, how hard is it going to be for me to change my brand? The first thing I think about is I, I remember some research I looked at a couple months ago where it says it takes about six months to reverse a bad impression. Six months of positive interaction to reverse a first impression that or first couple impressions that was negative. Is it easy? No. Is it worth it? Yeah, it's like getting a degree. It's tough. But then when you're done, you're done. And you look back after four years and say, would I rather be starting building my brand now and changing it? Or would I rather be done? Think about the aura as, as, as people in an organization. Think about your aura. And your aura is really the, that immediate knee-jerk instinctual reaction to you when you walk into a room. There's some really neat aura exercises that organizations can, that actually, you know, teams and even one-on-one can engage in. I guess that's what you engage in activities. I'm at a loss of words. Can engage in and start to figure out what is my aura how am I seeing knee-jerk reaction? And then how am I seeing in my environment? And then again, we go back to distinguish by others. Some leaders out there might be seen as toxic leaders. And that's for a whole nother show because then it's we're looking at if you're a toxic leader, do you realize it? Do you not admit it to yourself? Those kinds of things. Think about how your employees react to you. Think about whether or not you engage in more of brand crisis management. There are entire firms out there that are for brand crisis management. When something bad happens to a company and they get bad publicity, what do they do? If you're a leader, are you really, is that your main focus is just when something bad happens or when there is a specific challenge, or are you working kind of like an entrepreneur to continually engage in the interactions and continually engage in the communication and effective behaviors that are building and solidifying your brand. And it's also easy to simply have a conversation if you can't open with your employees. Hey, if I had to write down my personal brand, what would you say it is? It's an eating activity to engage in. Tom? Well, let's go over to the HR department. Uh, Linda Ann, because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of wondering, um, what would it be like if you called those leaders into your office and went, we have to rebrand you. Would they just stare blankly at your face? Um, a lot of them would. Yeah, um, because they're not even, so it depends on the organization, you know, what they're focused on. But if they're technical people, they don't understand brand. Um, so, you know, that would that would be one thing. Um, the other is, you know, I wouldn't do that unless I knew that the person or people had open minds you know, and we're interested in <clears throat> having any kind of feedback at all um, and where where their heads were for uh, developing success and employee retention and all those kinds of things. So those are all factors to consider when you talk to somebody about creating their personal brand. Um, I think for me, when, like when Jeremy started to talk about, you know, there's companies that handle situations when something goes wrong. I think the key thing for leaders before they tackle change of behavior is they need to do a little soul searching and determine who they really want to be as a leader to begin with. Who does that, what does that look like for them and their aspirations? And then what is the value system that will back that up, that, that will be the foundation for them to function when they're in those crisis situations? Do, do you find that most leaders would come back to you going, yes, my brand is making money. That's what I care about. Um, and success. Does that work anymore? Well, you don't make money without your employees. 
you know, and if you if you can, then you should do that. Do it without employees. Um, so you have to. That's that's a very very uh, narrow site. <laughs> what me being narrow? No, no. Lee, let's go to you. You know, I, I think some of this comes down to to the terminology because you know, for so long, what we now think of as brand is just reputation. You know, what do people think of you? And you know, when you were talking about some of the the people who have been in the workplace longer. When you say, what are your brand, you're going to get that, you know, kind of that, you know, the puppy dog the, hmm? look, you know, what does that mean? You know, brand, that's for a product, that's for whatever. And so I think the starting point with them is going to be the defining what brand is, you know, that this is your professional relation, you know, your, 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 uh, uh, your reputation and what people think of you. And the difference is making it intentional, you know. Am I going to be intentional in creating a brand? Uh, and then I think that also takes us sideways into a discussion of being authentic. Uh, I actually saw a post on LinkedIn just today was talking about uh, the authenticity versus, you know, wearing a mask. And, you know, I'm at that point in my life where that's just too much work, man. Having to remember what mask I'm wearing in what place, heck with all that. And, you know, if you, if you get people to understand that being your authentic self being honest with yourself and tying that to the brand that you are wanting to put forward, then you have a starting place. You can actually start to create that or to, to modify what you've already created, basically. Because we've all created one, whether we know it or not. We might not even know what it is. And I'd say many people probably don't. But there, you at least have a starting point to start really digging into that and figure out. Um, uh, and then, of course, you could hire an I.O. to come in and help you with it. How hard is it to make that that transition, though? I mean, if I if I do some soul searching and I look at myself and I go, "Wow, I'm not <laughs> I'm not a nice person," um, but I need to change that brand and I need to become a better person, um, then I'm down a whole different journey of becoming a better person, um, <laughs> which is maybe something I should do in the first place. Um, but how hard is it lead to make that transition? Well. I mean, I, I, I hate to to use the canned response of it depends, but uh, it really, you know, it, it, but it does. It depends. I mean, if you're just, you know, not being intentional about it, there's going to be a lot less work than if you're a serial killer. You know, I mean, there's there's going to be levels of what's going to be required for you to do that. And, and a lot of that is going to require soul searching. It's going to require being honest with yourself. Um, at the very least, it could require coaching. Uh for some, it may require therapy, you know, psychotherapy and counseling to, to really get at the roots of some of these things, because a lot of people are really good at lying to themselves. And a lot of people are very, very surprised if they receive honest feedback, because there are a lot of people out there that think they're really nice people and no one else agrees. Um, and so it does take some time. I mean, I've, I've worked with some people that they just thought they, they should be wearing, you know, getting medals for being the best leader out there and everybody loves them and the fact was they were terrible they weren't leaders and no one could stand them but they were in that in their world that they had defined that's where they define themselves so that's going to be a person that's going to require a lot of work and a lot of soul searching and let's face it probably will never happen because they won't put in the work um, until something hits them in the face that brings them to the reality of hmm, maybe this world i've created isn't reality well, Dr. Martha, let me go to you then, because how many leaders are actually 
self-aware. Wow, that's the thing here, right? We're talking about the need for introspection and awareness. And when, when thinking about this topic, first and foremost, I think when it comes to branding, the vast majority of organizations think of branding in terms of the organization as a whole. So I think we would be hard pressed to find organizations that provide any kind of infrastructure or support for individuals to brand themselves. And when you think about a brand for a leader, for an individual, what it comes down to is your reputation, like Lee said, and specifically your work reputation. And while in certain instances, a reputation can take a turn with one event, generally speaking, reputation is something that builds over time. And we all know that there are people out there who enjoy a reputation that is less than Disney, let's say. Uh, and that's something that they're proud of and thrive on. So even if you have people who've managed to be aware and have a level of introspection, they may not see a need to change that certain negative brand because they think this is how they get results. So now I think that an important component of this is for the organization as a whole to take a look and examine what kind of individual brands exist within that organization and is this what they want? It goes beyond just the individual potentially embarrassing them in public, tarnishing the overall brand or landing them in a lawsuit. If an organization truly wants to be successful in terms of, of branding, they have to be cognizant of what's going on on an individual level in terms of branding, their leadership. So this is where, again, an IO would be uh, very helpful because there's a lot of moving parts to this. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, what's your goal, where, what's your A to B, where do you want to be, where are you now, and the work that it's going to take because it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you can put on a face, you can change your look, you can start acting differently, but the team around you knows who you are, the old you. They're not going to magically accept that you've changed overnight. Maybe you made an announcement, I'm rebranding myself. Okay, good luck with that. It's going to take some time. You need people's buy-in to that. It's not just you deciding and saying, you need to convince other people. And how do you convince over pe other people? It happens over time. You have to walk the walk. You have to prove yourself with behaviors, with the decisions you're making, with how you're treating other people. And again, it all goes back to reputation. So it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but it has to start with understanding where you are and wanting to change that and then knowing where you want to go. Yeah. And, and getting the IO as a guide through that transition might be a really smart move. Uh, Linda Ann, let's go to you. <laughs> I just want to go back to something that you said, uh, Tom, earlier, and, you know, you need to change who you are to be a better leader. And I don't I don't think you need to change who you are as a, a person and your personality. But some of the behaviors that you exhibit towards others might need to be different. 
right? So I don't think you have to like go through a personality uh, revamp, um, but you do need to to decide what behaviors do you want to exhibit so that you elicit the types of behaviors from your employees that you're that you're looking for, and that you would want them to replicate, right? That that right. you would want them to exhibit if they were um, promoted to a, a managerial kind of or leadership kind of position. Um, the thing that I think is is important though. If you're a leader, you really do need to care about people and their success. And, you know, and I've heard people say, I just don't like people. Well, then maybe you shouldn't be a leader. You know, then you should just, there's probably another good space for you. Um, But you really have to care about someone's success. And if you do, then then kind of the rest flows from that. And so I, I think that's something that's important for people to evaluate as do they care about whether or not someone else advances in their career, has a successful experience, and those kinds of things? And then with regard to what Lee was saying, you know, it's really um, a reflection of the company. That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, basically, your company's reputation is the con- the composite of all the, the employees within it and how they behave and how they behave towards their clients. So, um I think that if you're, whether you're branding yourself or the company, that needs to be a a clear understanding of how we behave as an organization. And then the people need to support that with their behavior. Yeah, yeah. Change is hard and it's going to take some time. Um, and, and sometimes we just don't feel like we, we have the time, but I think we need to need to take that time as well. Um, go ahead well, and that. And then, you know, when you think about it, one of the goals that I that I stress with companies when I'm working with them is, um, especially when we're talking about employee engagement and retention, is having the reputation of some of an organization as a whole that cares about their employees and their employees' success, and that you'll help them grow and define their career and develop in their career because that's what's required today. You have to do that. Isn't that one of the biggest mindset changes that we need to go through right now in in business and industry is that that caring and the understanding that this is actually going to make you more successful over the long run? Yeah, that is the yeah, it's we're not doing you a favor by hiring you. You're doing us a favor by working for us, right? Boy, that's a big change from when I was 18 years old and got my first job. <laughs> Nija, let's go to you. Hi. Um, Sorry, thank you. I was supposed to be changing that thing to Imani because usually people have a hard time with Nijat Nachanzi. So hi everyone. So great. I'm so happy to be here once again. And um, I just wanted to speak about something I experienced today morning and something in relationship in relation we had with Lee in a pop-up last time. And apparently something I posted like three hours ago today, which was about self-awareness. And this is what we've been talking about. So I've been experiencing since like middle of, of this year, my leadership. And I've, I've tried to get on one end of the leadership that I'm okay talking to, trying to buy them into a certain training. And then they told me, oh no, we were actually arranging for this training in January. So we are going to have this training. And I was like, what kind of training? So they said something. And I noticed it's a little bit different from what I was trying to, you know, chip in. So I stepped back a little bit to let them do their thing. And if I find out it's not what exactly I was proposing, I'm going to propose again. 
So literally what's going on on my line is as counselors, when supporting our callers, we have noticed that there is, we don't, we don't know how to de-associate our own feelings. We end up going on to our callers. You know, something they say something. If I get somebody who's gonna come and talk about their own feelings, how they feel, you know, there's a, a, a saying these days, the currents, you know, they come on, they wanna be supported. I'm not, and then I get offended because they're talking about me as a black person in general or my race in general. As a counselor, I know what they're talking about. I'm, I'm supposed to be supporting them emotionally. I'm supposed to be deassociating my own emotions. I know they're trying to trigger me, but I'm supporting somebody and I'm trained in doing this. So I'm going to support them. And if I get a chance, I'm going to talk to them about the things that I'm not, I don't agree with in a way that I'll bring it in an example, in an exemplary way, not that telling them, oh no, that's so wrong of you. There, I'm already dismissing them. Then secondly, the other thing I'm facing with my leadership, I've noticed we, when we, whenever we're having trouble with our callers, we're supposed to be coming back to our leadership and then debrief, do the the one-on-one supervision, which I really have been appreciating because they've been so good. But then I have noticed some leaders just because one, they want to create importance, they end up overpicking overpicking on employees. So they overpick on employees' behaviors because they're creating importance that oh we are working. So some of them are not even in awareness that the more you pick on an employee, you're kind of like picking on every nitty tidy ditty behavior of them. You're also ending up making yourself look bad at the end of the day, you know. So and then also most of them they have. I talked about it on the Lee pop up. Most of them have the whole feeling of. When you're trying to call off something, you have to talk all your issues. For you, it's like more like you getting permission from them to get off a shift or for you to call off uh, a shift. You know, they want to know, are you sick? And I'm like, literally today I had to tell one of them, I don't have to tell you all the reasons why I'm calling off. I'm telling you I'm not feeling well and I'm filing in and that's all it should be. Now, if I'm going to be sharing with you, that depends on the relationship I have with you as my leader. But if we don't have a relationship here, then I don't feel comfortable in doing certain things. And then you should be okay with that. But most of them ended up being annoyed because I have a very different demeanor of how I'm approaching things. So now when this thing happened to me with one-on-one with my supervisor, I went on LinkedIn because I was so mad. I went on LinkedIn and then I saw someone was still posting about something. And I'm like, what's going on? And I remember I mentioned, um, let me just pull it up right here. Uh, I mentioned something like uh, on the third paragraph, I was like, secondly, hiring your performance terminations need emotionally well-equipped individuals. Self-awareness, self-awareness is, essential, is essential for personal development, which I meant Self-awareness is everything in anything. And then like as individuals, we have to like as uh, coaches or as as people coming up with these training things within our organizations, we have to come up with courses that are going to really be targeting people on how they, 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 they should have emotional intelligence. As in, I'm a big person on emotional intelligence. Because when you have emotional intelligence, you have self-awareness, self-regulations, you, you have the social skills, you're able to separate your emotions. You're not easily triggered with a few things, you know, because most of the time when you are triggered, 
we're going to end up, you know, violating the employees or we're going to end up, you know, embarrassing their organizations and hence leading to all the lawsuits we've seen. And most videos that I've seen, you're looking at somebody and all they're using is their ego and they go in, they rub it in instead of just stepping back. So they don't have that control. They don't have the regulations of their emotions. We They just don't have the capacity. So me in my head, I'm already like proposing, I'm like, we should also come in with these courses in a way that like someone said, um, Lee said that you're supposed to be going for some therapy, counseling and stuff. I feel like it should be for everybody in an organization to be checking in, to have that training. And that training doesn't even have an ending because feelings change. If the first quarter of the month we've had a training on emotional intelligence or self-awareness, people, I've seen it in my organization, people thirst. We always have these group supervisions. And whenever we come in, talk about the challenges and stuff. And then we talk about how we're supposed to be conducting with these callers and stuff. We feel we're much better. And then when we come into the next meeting, we feel like we need, we are thirsty for that time and to talk to really matter to our souls so we can rejuvenate and go back to these lines. So I feel like the trainings on self-awareness, uh, emotional intelligence, where we'll have self-control, self-regulation, social skills, and the empathy to really deal with each other so we can learn how to coexist. This is like the best of almost everything, communication, um, and and then also engagement with, 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 with uh, employees, because I literally held back today with my supervisor. And I was just literally showing him, I don't have to even, he said, oh, do you have anything you have to share with me? I'm like, I don't have anything to share with you. Because I'm like, if I don't have that relationship with you, why would you like, okay, is there any way I can support you? And I told, I literally was so mad. I told him, I think that question should be directed to the organization. Like, how can you best support your employees? Because I felt like they wanted the answer from me and I know what they were doing. So I resisted. I'm like, it should be directed to your, you know, organization. Ask them how you can best support your employees. You know, I knew I could tell them all this, this and that, but I was literally like holding back because I'm seeing I'm giving in something and then you're not reciprocating in terms of respect, in terms of you zeroing down on interacting like we are humans or even coexisting. If you don't like me, at least let's coexist on common grounds, get that money, then we just go. So that's what I just want to speak on. And I hope maybe I touched on a few points and I hope I stayed within the line of what we're talking about. Thank you so much. Well, I think it was great, Amani. And, and, you know, I think you bring up a really good point, especially as we're talking about you know, leadership branding and rebranding for those employees where, you know, you mentioned Daniel Goldman's book, you know, Emotional Intelligence, which came out over 20 years ago, but there's still leaders who don't really know the work. They, you know, those common phrases, you know, what can I do for you? How can I support you? You know, they've just become words where there is no real support. So, you know, as we're trying to convince leaders to rebrand, Let's take care of the knowledge gap that seems to have grown over the last 20, 30 years where leadership has not been trained. You know, they their training has been just what you learned from the guy who had the job before you. Right. And, you know, which is really, once again, brings in the need for IOs and, you know, better HR support. So, you know, thank you very much for that, because um, I think it was great. Um, <laughs> Lee, let's go to you. <coughs> You know, I think that, uh, she brought up some very important points that really kind of go along with this because, you know, the, the branding of, a, of an individual, you know, a supervisor, a leader, or what have you, um, is so 
closely tied to the people that they lead. And the uh, having that emotional intelligence, facilitating psychological safety is huge. Fostering trust is huge. And, you know, which comes down to things like, you know, micromanagement. You know, as, as Monty said, you know, the micromanaging, you're not making yourself look good when you when you're nitpicking way too much. And on top of that, you're not fostering trust. And when you say, you know, when you start digging into information that maybe you don't necessarily need, um, you know, some personal details, maybe that, you know, it's fine on a relational basis. If someone feels comfortable and trusts you to the point of sharing it with you, but it's not necessary for your position. And so when you start trying to dig into those things and, uh, and actually one thing, the, the conversation in my uh, reference, we were talking about things like, uh, like HIPAA stuff, like, you know, I can tell you that I don't feel well and therefore I am not coming to work today. You don't necessarily deserve or need to know the details of that. You know, I don't need to give you a medical, you know, uh, diagnosis or what have you, because now we're getting into stuff that's, you know, probably not your business. And uh, <clears throat> some people just don't understand that. And you're also not fostering the trust and the psychological safety when you start digging into those things that you don't have a... You, you don't have any business in that room. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, Dr. Oates, yes. go ahead, Manny. Uh, just be quick here and say, he said psychological safety, and then I remember psychological contracts. Like, we somehow don't zero down with psychological contracts right now. Like, we're not writing any, any, we're not signing anything, but actually when I come to work for you, I, I highly expect so much of you as my leader. And when I see, I see you doing something different, like I'm like emotionally I'm shut out. And then there goes the call off, there goes the I don't care, that goes me now starting to go on LinkedIn on, on Zip Recruiter or like looking for other opportunities. So psychological causes or contracts come along with all this whole thing, like having that sense, you know, of psychological contract. Thank you so much. You can go ahead. <laughs> hey, welcome. Dr. Martha, let's go to you. I'm going back to a point that you brought up uh, just now, the idea that leaders simply don't get enough or the kind of training that would really help them with this. And this is a, a point that keeps coming up over and over again, which means that this is a real issue. Think about this. We are talking about personal branding, which can be seen as a somewhat sophisticated topic of conversation. And we're dealing with people who lack basic training, sometimes in basic people skills. I think what we're looking at here is the mentality that goes back to the Industrial Revolution, the mentality that was developed during that time has been moved forward and continued for decades and decades and decades. And this is what is still present in so many companies in so much of the leadership styles. So when you're dealing with that and you're asking a person with that kind of mentality to have introspection, to have emotional intelligence, and to consider their personal branding, you might as well be speaking a different language to them. So I think we need to recognize the complexity of that because here we are on this panel and we think this is just common conversation. But realistically, think about the mentality 
that can be prevalent in so many organizations. And I really think it goes back all the way to the Industrial Revolution. It was a whole different world, whole different way of thinking, whole different way of viewing management or leadership versus the workforce. And so there, there is that gap that isn't going to magically close, which again, that's why IOs would be tremendously helpful to an organization. And with that, Jeremy, let's hop over to you. Pulling all these great insights and points together, I, a lot of a lot of companies, and I and I get it. A, a lot, of, and you think about these leaders who really personal brand. Who cares about that? I got to follow policy and procedure. Policy and procedure is very important. Otherwise, your company's going to go down the drains. That's why you have them in the first place. In recognizing this shift, there's this. I don't a new way to a new way to do things where we're focusing on the most important asset, which really are the employees, because that's what everything's so connected. And one of the tough things for we've talked we've talked so much about a lot of people are promoted because they're good at a task or a skill, but they're not necessarily good at leading people. But it's the next point in their job or their career. So I completely get it. It's almost like, and we talk about this. If you're a, if you're a consultant, now you have to be good at marketing and sales. If you're good at, let's say you want like you're you you want to own a hair salon. You also have to become good at sales and marketing. If you want to open up any kind of boutique, if you want to open up a hardware store, you also have to be good at sales and marketing. And then you have to be good at all kinds of other things like taxes and, and building permits. So if you're a manager, you, you yes, you, you can man, you can know your skill, but now you also have to be good at interacting, communicating and building other people. It just, it comes with the territory. And that is, it's such an easy parallel to make because yes, if you're good at something, your next step up is now you've, now you're leading people. If you're good at making special soaps in that candles and you want to take the next step up to business ownership and open a store guess what you've got to become good at sales marketing community it's just it's just the next step up so i get why it's it's tough because a lot of it's it's important though for managers to also look at again it's all about the what's in it for me how can working on your personal brand how can looking at breaking it down help you I'm going to go back to this, something from this article, fairly briefly, Tom, this Moara article, Strategic Communication. This is the one that has to do with regulatory agencies, but there are some parallels. I'm going to read, I'm going to read this uh, um, uh, excerpt here and replace politicians with employees or replace uh, political with business. So just replace the words as you will to form a little bit of parallel here. If reputation here. If reputations are successfully formed, cultivated, and managed, they become valuable political assets. Now, that one, I think we can keep political within the organizational politics realm. They can be used to generate public support. So generate public support, employee support, workplace support, to achieve delegated autonomy and discretion from politicians, from other leaders in the organization, from employees, to protect the agency, to protect the individual, the manager or the leader from political attack, from negative stuff and recruit and retained and retain and valued employees. So we can draw a parallel here because if your brand is what you think, picture, all right, picture this, you're in your office or you're in your perfect, your dream office in your dream building and you walk out 
and you see these be these beautiful walls and, and beautiful designs on the walls, and you hear people talking in this conference room that you actually love. And you're quietly stepping towards this room and you start to listen in, all of a sudden you hear your name, which is called the cocktail party effect. Our name always stands out. And then you hear people talking about you. Now believe, now picture this, it's five years from now. What are they saying about you? What are they saying about you if it were today? What were they saying about you if, if it was five years from now? And then what would you want them to be saying about you? Once we can start to break things down in our minds and start to visualize if we change, what, what can we change and how can we break it down? That can be very important. Now replace the people in that conference room. Are they employees of yours? Are they vendors? Is it the CEO and other execs? Is it, are they other members of your, your executive leadership team? So we can start to break things down and looking out in terms of what's my brand now. One, one last thing here, because we, again, I, I, we want to break things down a little bit to at least give people a jumping point, some kind of a starting point. So there's four dimensions of agency reputation, and we can make a parallel here if, if it's helpful to personal reputation. One is the performative, is the, does the person do their job and they do they do it well? Do, do, do you manage your employees well? Do you know the task good enough? Do you train and do you, um, do you work well with others? Uh, moral, do you protect the interests of your employees? Do you protect the interest of the community at large? Do you can uh, protect the interest of confidentiality in the organization? And then also technical. Do you have the skills and capacity required? And I look at this in terms of technical. I look at this in terms of communication skills. Yes, it says technical, but we're talking about skills and capacity. The negotiation, the emotional intelligence, the communication, the problem solving, the ability to let other people solve problems, all these things that we talk about here. Do you have that? And if not, how do you get there? And then there's also the procedural. Do you follow the accepted norms and rules of the organization and of the team? We've talked about so, new social, social norms in the workplace. That's a previous episode that we did. So think about what are the social norms and then are you within those social norms? And even think because you're a leader, if there are some negative social norms, how can you use that political capital that you're building with increasing your brand to change those? So performative, moral, technical, and procedural. I'm providing these four things to break down because now we can, if someone's listening to this podcast, watching the video, it's easy to create a little exercise here where first we, you can you do the visioning technique. You're walking along pretty little walls. You hear people talking about you. And then you can break down what was just mentioned here in terms of what am I doing within these four boundaries here in terms of brand management and also in terms of reputation, although they are can be interchangeable. Well, let me ask you this, Jeremy, because, you know, as leaders, if they're listening to the podcast or they're watching the video, they're going to go, OK, this makes sense to me. And maybe this is something I should do. But a lot of them are focused on the bottom line. So if I rebrand myself and I make these changes so it's much more positive, is it really going to affect the bottom line? Glad you asked, Tom, because here I'm looking at the other part that I've highlighted in this article. And I'm going to answer your question without... First, actually, I'm going to ask you to just ask me the question again and rephrase so that I'm fully understanding. All right. So I've been listening to this panel. I've been listening to this podcast, and I'm a leader who's thinking about making some changes. I could be a better leader. And I'm hearing this discussion about rebranding. I'm hearing this discussion about 
all the effort I'm going to have to put into to make this change and how this change might affect the organization. And it might all be positive. But, you know, if we're just a bunch of friends now and we're making less money, if my business is now less profitable. So are there any, and we talk about research all the time. So is there actually research out there that goes, hey, if you make these changes leader, your organization and your team will be more profitable and productive? Tons. Tons. And these are the kinds of things that we, and again, this is why we're going, we go over these and, and incorporate this research. There, there's a ton. The more profitable companies have stronger cultures, the more profit, you know, it, what, what does, what is par- profit part of? It's part of your employee performance. Last week, we explored that having specific leadership characteristics of encouraging people to take risks and then backing them up if things go wrong, that creates better employee, employee review, performance reviews. I'm just going to guess, take a wild guess without any research here, that companies that have an average higher performance employee review, uh, five-star versus all one-star employees, I'm just guessing that they do better. Now, that's not to be, the employee performance process will be a full conversation for another day because- Yes, employee performance reviews. What employees want is accuracy. I'm going off on a purposeful tangent here. We also know that the um, systems and the collaboration between managers and also the consistency with giving accurate performance evaluations is not always there. So that's not to say that an employee with all with an average of four-star employees versus an average of two-star employees. It could be that those two-stars employees are actually good employees, but it's just not accurate in terms of their review. That's my purposeful tangent there. I'll also say tying it in in terms of the profitability and making a difference. You mentioned, Tom, it can be so... These these initiatives can be so big. I'm a, I'm a leader in the company. I'm a manager. I need to... Re, I, I would like to rebrand myself. It really is... A, a, it's a, a few... A change in a few simple behaviors... One, one change one behavior every day and you can start to change your brand. These are things that don't have to take all your time. Yes, be purposeful about it. Maybe write something down and stick, maybe make some new habits, make some changes in your communication, but it can be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be this full-blown, all right, 2023, my new year's resolution is, it doesn't have to be that, although go for it if you can, because everything is is connected. We talk about um, your political capital, your ability to move up in your own company. These all have things to do with how well you are received by your employees, what your employees are saying behind your back, and it's all interconnected and it's all related. Lastly, I'll share this because you mentioned we're focused on the bottom line. A lot, oftentimes it's faces, especially if you're in sales, your bottom line is week to week or month to month quotas. So with organizations, it's sometimes there's a failure as well, organization wise to look, to fail, to look over the long term. Over the long term, these, these reputation builders, these, these brand changers that can affect the organization, we should look at examining our behavioral relationships with our employees and with everyone in the organization because that helps accomplish organizational goals. So I'm reading, I'm paraphrasing here from this article, but that's part of the answer too. If we look at the behavioral relationships and the ones that affect the overall behavior of the organization, it can help accomplish organizational goals. And that means both short and long-term objectives, Tom. 
Well, I recently just read uh, an article that talked about, you know, just effective communication. If you just implement effective communication in an organization, it increased productivity by 3.5%. So, so you know, you, you start to add all those up and you can really change an organization. Linda Ann, let's go to you. <laughs> to build on what Jeremy said about how it's all interconnected, one thing to realize, and, and you asked about, are, um, is good leadership more profitable, correct? And if you look at the employee engagement information, that says that pretty much if, you're, if you have engaged employees, they're 20% more profitable. And then employees tend to leave their boss versus the company or their job. So if you are not an effective leader and are not doing a good job, then you're going to have a higher turnover rate. And so that is expensive for an organization, right? 50% of, of their salary to 400%, depending on the type of job. So to replace that employee, just think about if you had to um, replace them half their salary, and that's the cost to the organization. So those things are expensive. So that's some motivation to help people think about whether or not it's worth the investment in in leadership. If you look at the history that Dr. Martha was, was mentioning, where the, the, the behavior of leadership has come from up till now, um, there really wasn't any leadership training or development given to anyone. And so that's why we have this huge gap right now, where it's not like what, what went wrong, what didn't we do? And so this is a new time for leadership training and development. And it's a process. And if you look at, if you talk about branding and an organization, one of the things that you have to do when you're talking about branding is what do we want to be in the market? And you have to go through that same evaluation for yourself and kind of to what, what Jeremy was saying, what are they saying when you're not in the room? It's one of those things where I was taught if, if you're doing a good job with your branding and you throw the brochure or whatever it is on the table, from a distance, somebody should say, oh, that's from so-and-so company, kind of, right? Same thing when you're not in the room and employees are talking and, they're, and they go, well, how about if we go to Linda Ann and present this? And we go, they're going to go, that's not going to fly. You know, that's my brand then, right? And so you have to have, or, you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z in order before she'll um, accept it. So those are the kinds of things that are, are your brand. One thing, if you're looking for a behavior that you can change um, or think about just to move forward in this is as a leader, when someone comes into your office or so forth, you can ask a question first, like, how's it going? What's going on or whatever, but let them talk first. Always let them talk first. Yeah, that's really good advice. Uh, Dr. Martha, let's go to you. A couple of things here, just to build on what Linda Ann just said about people leaving their bosses, not their organizations necessarily. The flip side of that coin is that people also stay because of good bosses, despite the fact that they might otherwise leave an organization, which is all the more reasons why an organization would want leadership and management that is highly trained, well-qualified, and well-branded. So again, to us here, these are no-brainers. Um, the second thing goes back to what Dr. Jeremy said, 
about what's in it for me. And sometimes it's what's in it for us. At the end of the day, we're talking about human behavior. So of course, what's in it for me is part of it, especially when we're asking someone to change. What does it come down to? Is it easier to stay as is? Or is it painful enough to stay the way you are so that you are willing to invest the time, effort, and and whatever else you need to invest to make that change. So it comes back to human behavior, right? The very basis of human behavior. And again, it goes back to having a qualified consultant that might help an organization to see how a change would be beneficial enough for them to have interest in it and then guide them through the process, not only organizationally, but with individuals. So Jeremy, once again, we got to connect with IOs, (laughs) organizations. You know, if you're not going to have one on your staff, you really need to be listening to this podcast and to this show. Um, Imani, um, let's go to you. I'll give you 30 seconds. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Um, So I just wanted to follow up with with the article. Uh, Jeremy was reading to, to us. Uh, when he said consistency is giving feedback or consistency in giving feedback. So um, I kind of experienced that and I would say that is right. And um, I have my supervisors. So one of them gave me feedback another one gives me another feedback. So I, I, I was confused. I asked them, so what criteria are you guys using to give me feedback? At this point, I feel like I was being attacked from each and then, then the supervisor told me, well, each supervisor is going to give you feedback according to how they feel like anything should be done. So I'm like, okay, do we have like a procedure we're following? Because I have some a guideline on how I'm supposed to be going about this. And if you guys are giving me according to how you feel, I feel like it's not constructive feedback you're giving me because you guys are talking about something else. And then I feel like you're not talking about the structure I'm supposed to be following. So consistency and feedback should be tied to organizational uh, policies and procedures. And then uh, when he talked about, uh, when you talked about the the procedures, and then when you talked about performance, that part, I just wanted to say that it takes discipline for to follow up and it takes like uh, patience to go through certain procedures like uh, um, the technical part of it. If somebody's taking a longer time to learn it, like you have, we all learn differently as employees. So imagine as a leader, you're losing patience. So it's also still zeros down to uh, the skills you're supposed to be having in self-awareness, emotional, to have the patience, to have the discipline as an employee to follow the procedures and then also as leaders to have the patience with these kind of employees that we're training. So to me, I kind of like concluded when I'm kind of like looking um, to things like, I don't know if I'm going to go big because there's uh, one of my research I was, I was doing when I was in my master's, I went for Google and then my lecturer told me, oh, you've gone so, you're, you're, you're doing such a wide topic. Are you sure you're going to handle it and stuff? So it was really invalidating me. So I just narrowed it down to whatever she wanted me to do. But then I've always looked at things like Google the way they're doing their things, one of the solutions, I think one of the solutions you, you um, um, my colleagues or my, one of my mentors, you already talked about it in episode 101 when you said, we simply need to strip these people's titles down. They need to get to the ground. And to me, I conclude with saying that they, we need to strip their titles because sometimes what we say is what is 
with what we internalize. Most of the times when we call a child stupid, some of them will act stupid just because. And then when we call managers, I'm a manager, some of them get that whole ego of, I'm going to be managing people. I'm going to be managing. So when you strip them of certain titles on how we've been, we kind of like, instead of saying managers, we call them leaders. They will know they're supposed to be leading in a very natural way. And then I feel like the other solutions would be things like um, getting rid of monopolization, having that one person doing the whole, the same thing in the whole organization without having different people, um, which kind of like I've seen Google is doing. Google is zeroing down. It has the employees. It has all these incentives to keep the employees. But then also it's giving this whole, the salary or these incentives for the employees to stay. But then it's also creating competition for these employees, showing them, okay, there's so many other people. Okay, there's so many other people who who, who would come in and zero down with this whole um with this whole job. So my whole point is here, I feel like um, stripping titles, monopolization and training in emotional intelligence is gonna be a good thing on how we come in as I or psychologists to really uh, do our work within these organizations. Thank you so much. You're, you're on a fascinating jury, journey and, and keep us updated on how things are going. Um, <laughs> Dr. Jeremy, uh, let's get back to you because um, we need to wrap up and we do have some events coming up in the next week. Yes, all the January 2023, is that a thing? All the January 2023 events are up and live on the cbock.com slash events site. We have a members momentum session, CBOC members momentum session, uh, as we do every other week. The next one is January 3rd, uh, which is next Tuesday, my goodness, at 8 a.m. Eastern. Our next uh, live, our next open forum discussion like today is, of course, next Thursday, building influence at work. And we have our January theme of thought leadership in the workplace. And then I'll also mention that on January 20th, Deborah Calaza will be joining the IO Career Pathfinder members peer group meeting. So she'll be able to, she's going to be giving some support to our IO Career Pathfinders. And lastly, if you love cute and cuddly wild animals, visit the events page on Seabock and look at the last, the picture that we have up for the last event for January. Good discussion, everyone. Thank you as always. Tom, beautiful as always. Love it. Counting out in five, four, three, two, and one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at seabock.com.